You're listening to the story of your life with Nick Jaina on X-Ray FM. This week's conversation is with a Colorado man who is sailing a boat to French Polynesia and Tahiti. why we're, we're, we're really going to like enforce this, this tether. Uh, we're going to make, we're going to make everybody wear tethers when they're on deck in the middle of the ocean. But I think the hardest part is, is just visibility is seeing somebody and keeping, keeping your eyes on somebody. Cause like, and also small objects float at different rates than big objects. So they're going to be moving at a different speed than the boat. So it's, it's just, it's a nightmare and I hope to never have to deal with anything like that. But yeah, man, man overboard is is like one of, yeah, that's one of the things that I'm most nervous about. I was, I was talking to a friend last night and she said, what's the worst thing that could happen? And I said, if I lose, both of my crew members, or if I lose the other two overboard and have to have to deal with that by myself, you know, that'd be the worst case scenario. Because she was yeah. thinking that if, like me drowning would be the worst case scenario, and I, I thought, you know, that it would be much worse to be the one that was stuck alive. Or at least much harder, not necessarily worse. But um, you know, we've been we've been setting up a safety net and doing doing our best to take every precaution and think everything through. So I think I think that we're prepared and we're ready uh, to make it happen safely. talking to a lot of fishermen mostly and who have done similar trips on motorboats so we we haven't had a chance to talk to too many sailors about it but uh yeah we've, we've been talking to there are a bunch of tuna fishermen in the town that we live in and they go all the way out to hawaii and french polynesia to catch this tuna you know mm-hmm. so they they've been giving us a lot of advice and help and um some of them have been giving us like extra gear and like fishing equipment and this kind of thing which has been really nice to have have a you know support system on on land too yeah 
Yeah, we're gonna. We had. A, we have a friend that gave us some tuna jigs, so we're gonna be trolling a line for tuna. Uh, and if we catch some, then we have like a pressure cooker and some jars, so we can we can can it up and, and save some. And then uh, when we get to French Polynesia, another one of our friends in Newport gave us a pole spear. So it's like uh, two foot sessions that all screw together, and then at the end there's a trident and like three three six inch prongs sticking out of it. And um, what you do is you have some surgical tube attached to the end of the pole spear, and you uh, you pull it back. You're holding like let's say I was holding it in my right hand, so you would pull it back with your left hand and then and then grab onto it, and it basically just puts tension in the surgical tube. So it's like a it's like a big rubber band. Um, right, yeah. So you're, hold, you're holding it under tension, and then you you free dive underwater, and you find where the fish are, and then you sneak up on them, and you have to get within a few feet, I think like three feet or so, and then you just release your hand, and the tension from the surgical tube shoots the spear. So we'll we'll be doing uh, some spear spear fishing when we're in when we're around islands and coral reefs and that kind of thing. But it's uh, something that none of us really have any experience with either like either ways of fishing. I've done a little bit of fishing in Colorado, but that's for like you know six inch trout. So it's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be a different game. Most of the time, the ocean is pretty docile. Uh, it's like you know, one to five percent of the time are are there storms that are big enough to really be a concern for you know for a, a blue water vessel. So like you know, almost all of the time it's going to be really relaxed, and the person operating the boat will have to stay focused. But we have um, we have two types of autopilot. We have like a, a pneumatic arm that's attached to a, a compass that we can set a, a bearing and the pneumatic arm will keep us on course. And then we also have a wind monitor vane, which will keep you relative to the wind uh, sailing on the same course. So, and we're gonna use the, the monitor vane the most of the time. So pretty much you just have to, you have to be aware of which direction the wind is coming from and then trim the sails. Uh, and then the boat will sail itself for the most part. So whoever is on, uh, on ship will have to, you know, check their surroundings and make sure that we're not uh, on a collision course with any other vessels and trim the sails but that you know that's like you, you have to do something every few minutes it's not it's not all the time when the boat is steering itself so you'll be able to like we'll be able to read as we're as we're operating the boat uh, unless the weather is getting bad and then we'll steer by hand and it will we will take a lot more concentration There is a there was a race back in the 60s where it was to see if anybody around the world by themselves nonstop for the first time, and um, the the guy who was going to there, there was this Frenchman Bernard Moutissier, and he was going to win, and he decided to just keep sailing around the world because he was having such a fun time, and he said that he he sailed one and a half times around the world nonstop, and he said that he was steering his boat for a total of a few hours on the entire 10 month journey because he had one of these monitor vanes. So it, the monitor vane should pretty much take care of all, of all of the steering for us for the whole trip.
Yeah, we, we brought um, some cameras, so we're gonna we're gonna do a bunch of photography, and we got underwater cameras, so we could do uh, underwater photography when we get to the coral reefs. And um, we are all bringing instruments so that we can practice and play music. And um, there's gonna be a lot of, of maintenance for things like, uh, you know, maybe some of our sails will rip, so we'll have to do some sewing and repair the sails. And uh, we're bringing some, some arts and crafts stuff also, because Tom likes making jewelry and that kind of thing. And then we have a huge library for reading. And um, I, I brought my juggling stuff, so I could, I could just juggle down below. But most, most of the time is gonna be spent, uh, like we, we have a bunch of textbooks, so we're gonna learn, learn as much as we can about like, the weather systems and oceanography and, uh, and this kind of thing. So a lot of the time we're gonna try to refine our skills while we're underway. But I think our, our go-to you know, recreation is probably just gonna be playing music. Yeah, yeah, I'm really, really excited to just not, not have any options but to play music. I, I've never been as happy as I am now moving to the ocean. Like having grown up in Colorado, um, I just, I just was, wasn't ever in my element for some reason. Mm -hmm. And so moving to the ocean has just really reminded me of, of how much how good life can be or like how 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 much I can enjoy this experience that we're having so I think that I would like to spend pretty much my whole life close to the ocean and uh, I mean I don't I don't actually have like like I've said before I don't actually have ocean crossing experience so I'm not positive that I'm interested in in this in this thing that we're planning this crazy crazy adventure that we're planning but I have a I have a pretty good idea that I love it and it's something that I want to do for the rest of my life. I, I leave dinghy sailing like sailing is is just one of the the coolest things is harnessing the wind for movement and getting that free ride. It's, it just feels it feels so good. So. I know, I know that I'll be sailing for my whole life, but I don't know if I'll be uh, doing ocean crossings or not. Yeah, yeah, most people get over it. Like, we, we were talking to a lot of fishermen about it, and they said that the longest they'd ever seen anybody be sick was three days. If, if you're going out for an extended trip, like your your body will acclimate. It just it'll just take some time, and it'll be really uncomfortable until it happens. Yeah. yeah so like on a sailboat, you can't sail in every direction. You can only sail, you know, in three quarters of of the compass. So yeah. it's 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 not. If somebody falls off, then it's really hard to get back to that same spot. But then you also have to consider that you're on the ocean, and like there's going to be there's going to be probably five foot waves or bigger for pretty much the whole trip. So 
if you're looking for a person's head, which which sticks out just a matter of inches, in a mm-hmm. in a five foot swell, they're going to be appearing and disappearing. And then you, there's just there's just everybody's panicked and confused, and you have less people on the boat. And then and then literally pulling someone onto the boat can be impossible, especially if they're wearing really heavy clothes because they're so weighed down. So like we're going to have to we're we're going to practice man overboard routines, but. Um, you, you have to use a pulley system in order to pull someone on most of the time because they're so they're so weighed down. So the best. For me, seasickness just has to do a lot with nervousness. Because when I'm nervous, I start to feel ill. But as soon as soon as I start to feel comfortable, then it's it's not an issue anymore. And so every time I go out, I'm I'm more and more comfortable. And like the time that that we went out was one of the first times that I didn't vomit when going out on the ocean. So I think I think it is something that you can learn that you can learn to not get seasick until you know until you're in a crazy storm and you're bouncing up and down you know 30 feet every 15 seconds. Then you know it's just it might be unavoidable. It's like riding a roller coaster for like a day straight or something like that. You might. You might get sick then, but just just acclimating to the ocean and, and losing that nervousness and starting to feel comfortable, I think I think that's that's the biggest issue is starting to feel comfortable. As soon as you feel comfortable then then all of the sickness goes away from me. You'd have to be kind of an idiot to not be nervous to, when you go out on the ocean because we're so 
as humans, we're just so out of our element. I think the nervousness, like I was saying, is like you can use it as a, as a positive aspect in your life and you can use it as motivation to, to make the right choices. So if like through, you know, just through experience, you'll you'll pick up what you need to, to feel comfortable out there. Yeah. But I'm I'm nervous. <laughs> it's, it's when I think about the whole trip, it's it's really scary because I've never done anything even close to this big. So it, I'm we've been thinking about the trip for so long that it's hard to think about it day by day. But as we get closer and closer to departure, we're just gonna have to start taking it moment by moment as opposed to the whole thing. They, they understand it uh, for the most part. Some of them, some of them think that our boat is too small, and like we're, you know, we're a bunch of like avid backpackers and uh, and minimalists. So having a small boat's not going to be a big issue for us. Um, most most of the fishermen are they disbelieve us when they say that we're coming back in six months because they think that we're going to show up in in paradise and, and stay forever. You know. Most most of the time when they when they're you know giving us advice they're they're just telling us that we're not going to come back in six months that we're gonna we're gonna end up spending a few years down there. Um, they just know that it, they just know that it's paradise. You know, like they've they've been to these islands before. So they say that when we get there, we're never going to want to come back. Yeah, so, so that's that's pretty much what what we've been getting from them is like they they think that we can. I mean, every time we talk to one of these fishermen, they you know they ask us questions and we we have the answers. So they they know that we're we're doing our homework and we have an idea of what we're doing. But then they, pretty much everybody said that there's no way we're coming back in six months because we're going to enjoy ourselves too much. If we come back, then we can also just plan another trip. It's not that big of a deal to go out again.
And, and that's kind of what we're thinking. It's like, we'll come back and we'll spend, you know, another year or two saving up money and then we'll set out for another trip. I mean, I learned, he, he already knew how, but I learned how to work with a epoxy resin and, and fiberglass and wood. And, like, I, I would feel comfortable fixing the big boat now after having, having worked on the small boat. Because there's like a lot of, 
there's a lot of pollution. There's a lot of huge hunks of trash in the ocean, and boats run into them, and they and they sink boats. And it's just something that you can't really avoid. It's just you either you either miss it or you hit it. And um, like one one of the things that I've heard a lot about is uh, shipping containers, like those big the big uh, corrugated steel that. They, they fall off of these giant barges or whatever that are crossing the ocean, and they're filled with air, and they're watertight, so they float just below the waterline. So it's not uh, – it's, it's, it's a lot like an iceberg. It's a big metal iceberg where you can't – if you see it, you can only see maybe six inches of it, and then there's this giant piece of metal floating under the water with sharp corners. Yeah, and then that, that's pretty much it. I'm, I'm worried about running, running into something. And uh, we've been taking, you know, precautions to make sure that nobody falls overboard. Like, we all have personal flotation devices, and um, the personal flotation devices have harnesses built into them. And then we have, like, a, a tooth system. Uh, we, have a, we have tethers. So, basically, you attach a snap shackle to your harness, um, and a snap shackle is this really cool piece of equipment that you you pull a lanyard and it comes undone under tension. So like if you're attached to the boat while it's sinking, you can still you can still um, you can pull the snap shackle and, and get off really easily. So it has a snap shackle attached to the harness, and then it has a short tether and a long tether. So as you're moving around the boat, you always have one tether connected, and then if you get to a point where you can't move any further because, like, um, so we're using jack lines is what they're called, and they're, they're just a piece of webbing. It's reinforced, like, double, uh, double webbing that goes from the forward part of the section, or forward part of the boat to the aft end of the boat, and in the middle, it's attached to a deck cleat. So if you're walking up with a tether, you, you have to um, unclick and click back on once you get to the deck cleat. So you, you can, with the two tether system, you can always be clipped in when you're, when you're switching your anchor point. So, in, um, yeah, we have the tethers and we have uh, also personal locator beacons. Everybody's going to have like a little... GPS box with an antenna that you push a button and it sends a GPS signal to a response center and then they send someone. You know, like every, we've been, we have a life raft too, which is, which is a huge, huge safety net. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's going to make the whole thing a lot, feel a lot better. But we, we've been tr doing our best to like go in a group and to have the right safety equipment. And I've been, I've been using my nervousness because I'm definitely nervous about falling overboard. That's. That would be like the easiest way to die on, on the ocean is just getting getting washed washed over.
me duerme, negrito, que tu mamá está en el campo, negrito. Duerme, duerme, negrito, que tu mamá está en el campo, negrito. para ti te va a traer rica fruta para ti te va a traer carne de cerdo para ti te va a traer mucha cosa para ti y si negro no se duerme viene el diablo blanco y sas le come la patita chacapumba chacapum apumba chacapumba chacapumba chacapum Duerme, duerme, negrito, que tu mamá está en el campo, negrito, trabajando, trabajando duramente, trabajando, sí, trabajando y va de luto, trabajando, sí, trabajando y va tosiendo, trabajando, sí, trabajando y no le pagan, trabajando, sí, pal negrito chiquitito. Trabajando sí, pal negrito chiquitito trabajando sí, va de luto sí, va tosiendo sí, no le paguen sí, duramente sí. episode featured music from me, Stealth Olvain, David Williams, and Adwalqua Yabanki.